Captain's Log Supplemental. The exploration that has been carried out by Starfleet during its centuries of existence is remarkable. As Emerson once said, our best history is still poetry. Incoming transmission. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to part two of our 25 first contacts. Uh, we stopped about um, halfway, roughly, into our discussion of some first contact missions that we have seen that we've experienced in uh, Star Trek. And uh, today we are going to be finishing up that conversation. So I hope you've enjoyed this. We had a great time talking about uh, these missions and uh, and just you know what we've seen, what we've experienced, what we liked, and how it applies to uh, life and to the greater Star Trek um, universe, the greater Star Trek future, uh, so to speak. So uh, with that, um, I hope you enjoy this last part in um, First Context. This episode of These Are the Voyages is brought to you by Amanda Pollock. Thank you. Eric, this wasn't one that you were going to fight me over, but you were like, it's Janeway. we got to talk about Janeway. And... Like, yeah. So I, go, I go love ahead. Janeway. I love Janeway. Like, like Janeway has a special place in my heart just because, you know, Voyager was like my Star Trek, right? I, I right. watched it, you know, from the very beginning. So, so Janeway will always have that place in my heart. And, you know, we get a lot of episodes and we'll have some coming up. Janeway, the action star, right? And Janeway does the action star very well. We have some episodes where it's Janeway, the tyrant, right? We made that joke. There's the right way. There's the Janeway. There's no highway. Right? We, we get that. We get Janeway the Tyrant. But then we also get Janeway the Clever Strategist. And lest you forget, Janeway was a science officer, right? So her first, her, you know, before she became a captain. And so her first inclination is not to try and shoot my way out of it either. Her first inclination is to try and, you know, think my way out of the situation. And I think this is the epitome of... Janeway thinking her way out of it, and I and I, I guess we didn't say the episode, but it is called Counterpoint from season five of Voyager, and the alien race is called the Devor. And and um, the idea is the Devor hate telepaths, right? I I, I don't really I, I don't think I understand who the telepaths are supposed to be like a stand-in for in this like. In, in this instance in like the mid to late 90s who who like who were supposed to be like the the marginalized people that the telepaths are, are are standing for I'm not sure if you can think of who they're supposed to be but the Devore Imperium they they hate telepaths they think that like telepaths like invade your privacy and they they think that's wrong and so Voyager basically takes on some refugees and they have to try to hide them as the Devore do the inspection and 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 it's one of the Devore inspectors comes and like 
pretends to defect and and Janeway like tries to win wins over his trust and like totally hoodwinks the guy like so completely at the end and it's just amazing at the end when when you see the look on the guy's face when he knows that he's been outsmarted by Janeway and she at one point goes you gave us the specifications on how to do this be a shame if we didn't use it and just like the way she says that and the look on this guy's face when he just knows that he's been so utterly like outmaneuvered is amazing and i'm trying to think i'm you got me thinking like who would be the 90s counterpart to that when when did this one come out do you know Season, season five. five of. So what would that be like? Season. No, no, sorry. Um, would that be like ninety seven, eight or nine, eight or nine? No, I'd be like nine, ninety nine. Nineteen ninety eight. Here we go. Ninety nine. Here we go. Nineteen ninety eight. Okay. Nineteen ninety eight. So I mean, that was around the time that. Uh, I mean, this is a stretch because I don't know. Well, actually, hold on. Well, I don't know who um, who it would be, but I'm I'm thinking about how like that time frame how like AOL, the internet and like mass communication was becoming more and more of a thing, like becoming more and more instantaneous. And not that the internet was necessarily like a new thing for government agencies and stuff like that. But I think there was like a heightened awareness of it and like people being able to share things quickly and, keep things hidden maybe it's like kind of like a technology like information management type of something like i'm 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 shooting from the hip on that one eric but like that's like the yeah, best yeah. comparison i can draw from sure <laughs> i'm going with it i'm going with it it's 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 a good episode like i i i mean I just again that ending scene when that guy realizes that he's been totally bamboozled by Janeway mm-hmm. and she's just like rubbing it in his face is fantastic. <laughs> well, I'm going to have to have to watch that one then again to to really and to understand like more so like your question of the counterpoint cuz like that's a music thing. I'm I'm supposed to have all the music answers. So that's my job. Once I get paid the big bucks to do is talk and, about music. You know, they, they like Mahler's first symphony plays a big role in that as the music, which is a really famous symphony. I like Mahler. Mahler's good. Um, okay. Andorians. Now Andorians were were they showed up in the original series, but we really get to know them. I think more so in Enterprise and um, the Andorian Instant. What in the world is the Andorian Instant? Does it have does it have anything to do with spying on anything? 
doing some questionable things at monasteries. Perhaps. I think I think it does, right? Perhaps. <laughs> Perhaps it does. Um, I, I, you know, I mean, I, I didn't know who he was at the time, but like looking back and realizing that this is Jeffrey Combs, now that you you know who Jeffrey Combs is, like when I first saw this, I didn't, I had no idea, but like now that like goddamn Jeffrey Combs was amazing. Wasn't he? Yeah. As Shran. Like, I mean, all the characters, really. But, like, Shran. All Shran, the characters. Shran's the one that I'm always going to remember the most. Like, I'm just well, being. I'm going to remember Wei Yun, but, like. I know you love you some Wei Yun. You want some, like, Vorta ears. That's for dang sure. Yeah. Yeah. But go ahead. Shran. But, yeah, I'm, I'm going to always think of Shran. Like, that's, that's just me. Maybe it was because I didn't realize who he was in connection with the other shows that's probably it but come on now like andorians and vulcans and humans all together for a hoot nanny and some questionable things going on this is the makings these are the trappings of a fantastic episode where we really get to see here understand like the paranoia of andorians and like understanding like that culture and to an extent the paranoia of Vulcans too even though they don't outright say they're paranoid right it's just like yeah we've we've yeah. turned one of our religious establishments into a listening outpost who does that yeah yeah well I mean you know you, they wouldn't think to put it there they wouldn't think it would be there right the enemy <sighs> but like and then, and then you get like this. Just set this episode sets the stage for all of the good things that happen with the Andorians in Enterprise. You know, there's literally a follow-up episode in season later in season one, maybe it's in season two. Shadows of Pajem, right? Mm-hmm. And then you know that's the beginning of the the love-hate relationship that that Shran and Archer have, right? And Pink it's just, skin. I mean, it's just a good episode. It's got all the makings for a good episode, and it it delivers, and it sets up every storyline that they have the rest of the show. Yeah. Which ultimately would have led to Shran becoming a main cast member in Season 5, if Season 5 ever happened. Which it should have. Like, we know that 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 was... We know that that was going to happen. Like, Shran was going to become a full-time cast member. Instead, we got a... Well, we got this podcast, is what we got. <laughs> we got... Kick in the face. <sighs> Trip didn't deserve what he got, man. He didn't deserve it. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Alright, well... Calvin's by any other name from the original series. So... It, correct me if I'm wrong, Eric. Okay, you're you're the dude. This is your from your list, if I'm not mistaken. Um, no, this is both our lists. Yeah, this is both our lists. This wow, was, this was a common one. Yeah, how about that? Kelvin's. This was the one right where uh, Andromeda Galaxy is involved. Correct. Yep. Mm-hmm. Ha! I got something right for once. Ding 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 ding. I am not an idiot compared to. Uh, 
well, you, you guys get it. So, Andromeda Galaxy hijacking a, a spaceship to try and get back to a land far, far away and having to communicate and negotiate and make things right again. Pretty cool. But that's the drive-by fruiting edition of it. Eric, feel free to be verbose. Well, I, I think this episode is famous for, for one big reason this episode is famous for, and this is the... What is this? It's it's green. Right? The the drink that Scotty doesn't know what it is. It's just it's just a color. <laughs> I um and then he, he like he drinks the alien under the table, right? Literally, like drinks him under the table and and they're all trying to like try and outmaneuver these aliens who have turned every member of the crew into like these little styrofoam like cube things or whatever except for like all of our main cast and like Picurk 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 is that the love child of Picard and Kirk Kirk. sounds Vulcan (laughs) yeah yeah Kirk he he puts on his romance right he romances the one the one Kelvin right and that's eventually I think it's her that he romance that she's the one who eventually says we can't we can't take these people but then even at the end what is it at the end um kirk says even though you've abducted my crew i'm still willing to help you find a new home planet and the alien guy's like you would do that even after everything that we've done to you you would still turn around and help us he's like of course I would. It's our mission to be out here to to help people. Is this the one where good stuff? <sighs> no, it's not. I'm thinking of something else. Never mind. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I think there's a running theme that we're kind of getting at with these different episodes, like. It's kind of our job to help people. It's kind of our job to stick our neck out, sometimes where it doesn't belong. Like, that's that's what we're all about. Except for, you know, when it comes to Q, again, trying to make a point, like, that you're woefully unprepared and you should just go back home with the Borg. And what we yeah. see in, in Q Who... Um, like the very first time in, in season two, right? Like end of season, yeah, end of season two, we're introduced to the Borg. Q's just messing about, and now we have a year to prepare for this species, air quotes, that, that like outguns us 10 to 1, essentially. And that finally like we have a proper villain so to speak for the next gen crew and I think this was like there was like actual true terror the first time I was I was watching this like oh shoot like they're they're little laser guns they're not it's not doing anything like they like even punching them isn't really going to do all that much um but like 
I mean, I mean, can we consider, I mean, I guess we can consider this first contact, but like there's no diplomatic stuff. I mean, there's like maybe an attempt, but like the Borg don't care about diplomacy. It's like assimilate all the things. It's your biological and technological distinctiveness will become our own type of thing. So it's, it's a weird kind of first contact, right? Well, it definitely is a first contact because they they you know learn information about us. We we're like, how else would they have known who Picard is and that he was somebody they could have assimilated if there wasn't at least some information sharing? And I say sharing in like the worst use of that word ever because there was no sharing. The board just took, right? That's true. That's what the board do. They just they just take. They take. We're just, gonna, we're just gonna take that. We we want it, so we're just gonna take it. I want that. Sorry, and I want that. I want one of those. One of those. This. <laughs> yeah, and 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 in in most of the the um the first contacts that we've gotten through so far, we're in a pretty good place with the the alien races at the end of it, right? I know the Kazon, we weren't in that good of a place, and the Klingons, we weren't really in that good of a place, but. For almost everybody else, we were we were feeling pretty good about ourselves after first contact. You know, maybe there was some rocky issues we had to work out, but things are headed in a positive direction, and mm -hmm. that is totally not the case right here. No, no. Like, yeah, we've definitely had some questionable moments, like at times, like with the ones that we've identified so far. But this is like a, uh, no. Let's let's pack our bags and let's not do anything with these folks ever again and guess what we're kind of gonna have to i mean there's like a big to do in a year there's a big movie there's a whole nother series it's gonna feature these fools but we know that we have they're, to we, we have to they're going to become iconic just a wee bit just, just a skosh just just a teeny tiny itsy bitsy little bit they're gonna have their own dvd Special, like Star Trek, the Borg collection, now on Blu-ray. It's <laughs> a good announcer voice. You like that? I yeah. do. If counseling doesn't work out, man, I'm gonna go be the next movie phone guy. Oh wait, we don't have movie phone anymore. Movie phone. I used to have the Showcase Cinemas, um, like phone prompt thing memorized. Thank you for calling National Amusement Quick Ticks, a service of IRIs. Serving Showcase Cinemas Flint West, Showcase Cinemas Flint East and Burton, Cortland Mall Cinemas, and Cinema 10. <laughs> Why? Because I called that number so many times to get showtimes back in the day, dude. You're okay. welcome. All right. You're welcome. Moving along. All right. Move along home. Moving along, moving along. <laughs> One first contact that didn't go well. We weren't in a very good place at the end of the first contact with the Borg. Another first contact where we're not in a really good place at the end of it either. And that is when we make first contact with the Dominion. The who? The Dominion. Right. So on here, okay. Right. So like sort of like the anti-federation. That's true. 
So on, I uh, just want to clarify, like, when we were making our list, I initially didn't put this, like, I didn't put the Dominion down. But, because one, I didn't want to copycat. I put Changeling Founder. Yeah, yeah, I put Changeling and Founder. And then, um, we just kind of lumped it all together, essentially. Because, like, they're all part of the same posse, for the most part. So, that was my thought going in, was just changelings and founders so anyways just wanted to put that out there but yeah the dominion bad news bears they're kind of a big deal in um especially the middle to back half of of um deep space nine i mean they're they're present early on too but they yeah. really become much a much bigger deal at the halfway point onward like series season wise yeah, bad things happen. Bad things. <laughs> but but Cisco <laughs> but, but always those, leaves his his baseball. I have, to, I have to. No, he took it with him at the one point though, right? When Jadzia died. R.I.P. Too soon. It's too no, soon, no. Eric. It's too soon. I know. It's way too soon. It's only like twenty-three years ago or something. Don't don't. Never tell me the time. Okay, say what you're okay. going to say. All right, anyway, hold on. I have to say I have to say something here. Yes. We like to think of the Dominion as the bad guys, right? We are so conditioned to think that the Federation are the good guys. And if the Federation is doing something, it must be good, right? Deep Space Nine definitely challenged that notion of the Federation as good guys, right? Lots of shady stuff went down. But I will say this. The Dominion was the aggrieved party. The Dominion did not start hostilities with the Federation. The Federation started hostilities with the Dominion. Okay? Like, when the wormhole was opened up, the Federation just said, hey, we're going to go to the other side. Who cares if there's a... We don't even know if there's a ruling body over there. Who cares? We're just going to go over there because we're the Federation and we can do that and no one can stop us. And then... The Jem'Hadar got sent, and they, the Jem'Hadar were like, we will no longer tolerate incursions into our territory. And to show you we mean business, we're going to suicide run and blow up one of your galaxy-class ships. And you're like, holy shnikes. Like, they mean business. <laughs> and you know what the Federation's response was to the Dominion saying, you just trespassed in our territory stay out. You know what the Federation's response was? Let's send a cloaked ship on a spy mission into Dominion territory. Is that really the way you should respond when a political entity tells you don't trespass onto our territory? So, I like, mean... the Dominion was the aggrieved party. And then, and then, and then even then later on, even after they we found out who the changelings, who the founders were, the, the Federation's like, we can't let the threat of the Dominion stop us from exploring. So they're just going to continue to trespass. And then the the Romulans and the Cardassians launched a first strike against them to try and commit genocide. Like, the Dominion was the aggrieved party at every stretch of the way. The, the Dominion did not start that war. I like it. 
Oh, I felt like you were going to push back on that. No. I mean, like, I hadn't really thought about it like that, to be completely honest with you. But I think about... Here's what I do think about. I'm going to try and tread softly, because I don't have a big stick right now. But when I think about international warfare and all, like, the guerrilla warfare that we've seen rising up over the last, you know, 30, 40 years, especially. Um, I mean, that's becoming more and more of a thing, right? Like, let's sneak in, let's do some weird stuff, and then, like, either bounce back or just kind of chill, like, in quiet and see what other havoc we can we can do in the name of our territory. I'm not saying America. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not citing specific countries. I'm just saying, generally speaking, that's how things have been playing out last 30, 40 years. So I see that also as like, as you as you point out, Eric, a, a good critique of of warfare as Star Trek can do it. You know, instead of oceans um, separating, you know, and making these great distances. Now it's a wormhole, right? So, uh, but yeah, like the, the correct response would have been to, like, there might have been some pushback. I think pushback is probably going to be a normal thing when it comes to politics in general. But like the correct response to your point would have been like, okay, yeah, let's go home. Let's go back to DS9 and like try and, you know, go a different route of of doing whatever with the gamma quadrant anyway but very i like i like those observations in terms of what you're talking about with with the dominion and um the whole situation in deep space nine so i, I do want to say that for any of the deep space nine lovers this was this is our last potentially last deep space nine citation Womp womp. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I love Deep Space Nine, but, you know, there there's some better places to look for first contacts. Yeah. All right. Well, we have, um, we are down to, I think the last, was it nine? We're down to our last nine to, to talk about. So we might go... Uh, potentially a little bit quicker over the next nine uh, so we can save y'all some windshield time um, but uh, species 8472 with Voyager we thought that the Borg were these horribly bad mamajamas that destroyed all the things that were greatly feared by all the cosmos but who is scarier than who your big mamma jamma is scared of than the folks of Species 8472 in the episode Scorpion, uh, the two-parter for, um, for Voyager in Season 3 and 4, I believe, where Seven of Nine is first introduced, if that helps anyone place where it's at. Um, they are... I, here's the thing. Let, let me say this. Like I play Star Trek online, and... These, this species is named, but I can't remember what their name is, but it's like something weird. 
So I just tend to stick with 8472 just because it's easier than whatever it is that it is in Star Trek Online. I think I think it's I think it's scarier calling them species 8472. Like we know so little about them, we just have to call them by a number, right? And rather than like actually knowing their names. That's like okay, right. once you name something, like it's not as scary, right? Absolutely. Fluidic space, all sorts of weird things. Yeah, I'm just gonna I'm gonna try and look at like, real quick. And they're like uh what is that they say? The weak shall perish. Like they're just on a mission to to wipe out everything that they consider weak. Mm-hmm. So when you first saw these things yeah. did you have nightmares? Because <laughs> they're kinda creepy looking. Well well I mean they are kind of creepy looking. I gotta, I gotta say, I, I don't think I knew who the Borg were when I first saw this episode, because this episode came out before First Contact. Maybe I had seen like the best of both worlds, like just when I was young, but I don't think I really truly knew and appreciated who the Borg were and just how badass Species A472 was when I first saw them. Okay. But they are definitely creepy looking. I'll get you that. When they attack Harry Kim and he's got like stuff growing out of his nose, right? That's pretty creepy, right? And I mean, yeah. <laughs> you see like big p pile of Borg body parts stacked up you know, it's 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 creepy looking. So in Star Trek Online, they're actually called the. Um, I'm gonna butcher this because they don't. I don't think there's audio of it, but um, the um, Undine, U N D I N E, Undine, Undine. So I'm just gonna stick with species eight four seven two. The uh, yeah. In Klingon, there's a Klingon name for it, which for their species, which means replacers of honor with dishonor. So, that's that's a little on the nose. Yeah, just just a wee bit. Um, I don't know what else there really is to say about species eight four seven two, other than they just want to kill and destroy anything that's weaker than them. I mean, just really anything well, I, in their I, way. I think. I think. I do think, though, later on, um, there's an episode in season five in the flesh where you see Species Eight Four Seven Two is like set up a, a Starfleet headquarters and they're planning on invading. But um, Janeway and the Voyager crew are able to like work to come to some agreement. So we do actually get some diplomacy with them later on. Which, like, if you if you see this episode, you would think no way that's even possible, but it does happen. I think that's the, that's like one of the main messages too. Uh, I, I've been saying that a lot. Sorry, y'all, but I, I think that's you get that a lot where it seems impossible. But I mean, like, just look at all the big bads that we are able to reach an accord with. Like we start out like diametrically opposed to each other, and by the end, where we've moved so much closer to one another. I mean, like. I've cited this before. I mean, it's your favorite movie, um, but like Kirk and the Klingons for crying out loud in Undiscovered Country. 
like just how far they've come, especially Kirk has come uh, with the Klingons and Picard with the Borg and perhaps Janeway with the Borg and, the, and 8472. I don't know. I don't know. But, um, okay, the Zindi. You know, speaking of, like, destruction and blowing up all the things in front of you, freaking Zindi, man, blowing up part parts of, um, of Earth, like Pensacola and wreaking havoc because of a message that someone told them was true, air quotes true, and how that changed the, their entire trajectory as, as a society, as a culture, um, in terms of how they approach things. Like they respond out of fear. They are afraid of the other. They are not willing to sit down and talk um, to see if anything is true. They are just taking things at face value, which, to be fair, a lot of people do. I mean, as enlightened as we might think we are at times, we still, like, believe the worst in people at times. I mean, I know I do sometimes. I'm not perfect. But generally speaking, like, I do listen to people. Um, but, like, this, the Zindi were, like, the main, the main thing through um, season three of, of Enterprise. And, ju- and I think I put the Zindi down just like as the species, but like there's so many moments, right? Like where, where it's like isolated, like the Zindi like are isolated from like what the crew is doing. And there's a couple episodes that kind of stand out to me, like one of which is very deceptive, where Archer is pretending to be a freaking prisoner um, with one of the... Um, the Zindi primates, right? I think that's what it is. I get the the primates and the arboreals. No, primates. Um, into trying to to hand over the the tech and the the schematics and the things to make things right. But we see again, we see where they are, and then we go to a way distant, distant, possibly alternate future on the Enterprise J, where the Zindi are actually and the humans are actually partnering together. Um, this was a case of like a horrible first contact, so to speak, that had had some great resolution to it, apart from the reptilians and the insectoids. Yeah, so this is this is the moment where Star Trek moves into a post nine eleven world, right? Hundred percent. I mean, I mean, I think Enterprise premiered like right almost like right around 9-11 Enterprise did in that mm-hmm. fall of fall of 2001 right mm-hmm. and this is this is you know Star Trek's response to to 9-11 right there's a somebody has attacked us and we want to go figure out why they attacked us and we want to stop them from being able to attack us in the future and there's a lot of paranoia there's a lot of of animosity there's a lot of i want to get my revenge and i think we see that with with trip especially because you know his sister was killed in this attack and trip is just like i think what does he say he says 
to Archer before they go. Tell me when we get out there that we're gonna we're gonna hurt these people essentially. I, I forget the quote, but he says something like, Tell me that you're not gonna you're not gonna stop. You're gonna do whatever it takes so that we can we can get our revenge on these people. Some something to that effect, right? Which is a very, you know, not human in Star Trek way of thinking, right? Right. We 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 feel like most of us in Star Trek, we humans in Star Trek, we're we're past that point of wanting revenge. But I feel like this is just it's real and it's visceral and it's how people were feeling at the time. And I think a lot of that culminates in in the end with I, the character you're talking about is Degra, right? Thank you. Thank you. Who was yeah. one of the the council members and um there's a moment at the end where where Archer has basically teamed up with Degra and like Degra has decided that I, I'm building the weapon, but I, I'm I was I'm the builder of the weapon. I'm going to stop because I don't believe that you are our threat to us anymore. And so Archer has fully con- convinced Degra that that we're not a threat to you. But um, and then Degra is trying to work with Archer to like help convince the rest of the Zindi, and 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 he's on the Enterprise, and Trip is just hostile toward her, toward him the whole time and then eventually at one point Trip is having pro- problems preparing the engine he's like listen Degra I could really use your help here at this point and you can see like Trip is he's, he's like turned that corner in his mind and in, in his heart and he's like I don't want revenge anymore because of all the things that have happened and I've seen how this mission has just has just done so many bad things mm-hmm. and and now trip is like fully on board to like working with them yeah and this so not this episode but the the series premiered uh september 26th 2001 so we're talking two weeks in a day after the t- the 9-11 event and i think it's been said it's been said in Star Trek, but I think when it comes to 9-11 and other similar events, the people that are going to have the hardest time uh, moving past it is going to be the current generation, right? Like, the, I, I mean, I just remember, I can remember so well and like other shows that you and I w- watched uh, focus so much on that other, like who the bad guy is. Like we, I, we pick the bad guy and that's who the bad guy is. And I think it's going to be our generation. Um, that's probably going to have like the most trouble moving past it because we live through something and of, of how we were taught something. I'm not saying and it's that. Like, I, and I'm not saying that I am that like way. My- no, no, but it's like my students now, the students that I'm teaching now, were born after 9-11. Like, they're literally, they were not alive when it happened. And to me, that's like a scary thought that, like, it's, it's been that long. But I imagine, like, 9-11 is not something that resonates with, with them. Not at all. The way no. it resonates with us. I mean, I know World War II was a big deal, but it doesn't resonate with me like 9-11 does. Mm-hmm. You know, like the way that it did for our grandparents, for crying out loud. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of 
So with this misunderstanding kind of thing, let's take a page out of the original series. Okay. With um yeah. With this next little entry like we are not the same. We are not the same. Someone name that episode. Come on, name the episode. No, no one. Called let that be your last battlefield. There you go. Were you asking me, or were you asking someone? I was speaking to listener land, just to see if they were going to yell at the speaker. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like you imagine, I yell at you exactly on the podcast. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. It's that one, Chase. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) But like, of all of the things that you could focus on to be different, right? Like. So much in in the real world, people focus on the things that are different between them rather than the things that are the same. And I know we talked about that issue with when we did our our live award show and we talked about the the people of Earth, the great bird of the galaxy award winner. Mm -hmm. And we said, hey, like if you just, you know, realize that there is more in common between you than there is different between you you can work together. And I think this episode almost takes that idea of this episode in particular, um, let that be your last battlefield, takes that to like levels of absurdity, right? What is the difference between these people? Like, oh, I'm I'm black on the left side and white on the right side and you're the other way around. So you're completely different from me and I'm going to demonize you and, and minimize your role in society because of that exactly. and eventually our planet is going to destroy each other because of this little small petty difference between us absolutely yeah and, and, this then, is- and then you're going to try and then we're going because we have destroyed our world we're going to try to bring others into that into our conflict and and our conflict is so big that we don't care if anybody else gets in the way yeah This is, I mean, it, it seems so silly, you know, 55 years on, you know, but like this was very much an issue in the day and time that this was airing. And it's just amazing, like how far we, I say, I say this with pause, like how far we can come, you know, in 55 years, but at the same time we're still kind of stuck like we have the awareness but we're not maybe we're not as willing to act on it in the way that we should um yeah I'm not going to demonize you because you're bald Eric don't worry okay (laughs) I mean you're all right Hair-haired people, people with hair on their head. <laughs> yeah, no glasses. <laughs> you can see. I'm going to demonize you. <laughs> you wear long sleeve shirt. I wear short sleeve. <laughs> How dare you? You you must stay in in Missouri. You're resigned to Missouri. Mm, I, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. 
And, and okay, so this is okay. The Temerians had to be in this list. They had to be. The children of Tama had to be in this list. Um, this is the episode Darmok. You know, the one where Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra, that episode? Yeah, the one where there's a campfire yeah. and some weird speechy speech is going on. Yeah, that that's the episode we're talking about. Just like the hopscotch one. Mm-hmm. It's that episode. Yep. Very, very famous episode. This Everyone is... knows this episode. Yes. I actually have a shirt in my closet that says Shaka when the walls fell. So some, if, if anyone can tell me what that means without having to look it up, I'll, maybe I'll do something. I don't know. I have no way Correct of knowing if you're wrong. But is this the is this the first appearance of the Picard like jacket vest thing? Right. It is. This is. Did his... you, do you like that? No. <laughs> no, I don't like it either. No, but it was meant to be like a general Patton kind of look. Is what it was meant to be. I think the only the thing I don't like is that it just it looks like so casual and I know that's that's weird to say it does it looks very casual it, it's kind of weird to say like for Picard I mean and like and the fact that like they're all wearing pajamas essentially but like <laughs> I mean he's wearing a long sleeve shirt with, with like an unzipped jacket and the jacket like changes like at least four times in the amount of time that it appears um anyway it's it's just kind of weird and like the 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 thing whenever i see that just as a quick aside um and he's wearing like his um yeah his his gray bodied like turtleneck like undershirt thing i just think like dang those magnets got to be really powerful to to hold through that thick turtleneck that he's wearing <laughs> Like his rank pips, you know what I'm saying? Like that. Like, have you seen like how thick that maybe that turtleneck glued, is? Maybe they were glued. Maybe they were glued on. It's possible. Maybe they were glued on. It's possible. Goodness, goodness. But this is this is just another and, uh, one of those. Anyway, those communi- Darmok is <laughs> perfect episode of learning how to communicate with somebody you can't communicate with, right? Right. <laughs> and then we have a common mission that we need to work together. To, to solve. Yeah, I still like. Yeah, I, still watching that episode. Like there are times I'm like, how did y'all do it, man? Like, cause like Gilgamesh, like that story still sometimes confuses me. Like in the context of that show, and I'm like, cool, good for y'all. Y'all, y'all did it. Timba, his arms wide. Yeah. Timba, his arms wide. Uncle Don, if you're listening to this, I hope you're happy that it made the list, by the way. Me and my Uncle Don, we we kind of mm-hmm. talk through this kind of language before. So I don't know if it really needs any more exposition to, no, to think, talk about why we I need this. I think people know this episode. Yeah. It's kind of obvious that this is like mm-hmm. intentional first contact. All right. Yeah. Red Foreman. Red Foreman shows up again in Star Trek for another um, contact 
with all of us um, in a not-so-nice kind of way. You know, you know, here's the thing. Like, Kurtwood Smith has had a very long and very successful career, right? But he's Red Foreman, right? He, that's what he'll forever be to our generation is Red Foreman. <laughs> I mean, it's like he was on he was on some radio commercial where I, I forget what he was saying. He's like, hi, my name is Kurtwood Smith, and I played the dad on that 70s show. Like, like, he had to introduce himself as that uh, when he was doing some some advertisement. I was like, wow. It's it's like Peter Weller has had an amazingly long and successful career, but he's just RoboCop. That's all anyone. That's RoboCop. Alec Guinness and will Kurt forever Smith be. Is just Red Foreman. And Alec Guinness will always be known as Obi Wan, despite a very successful career. It's just one of those things. So let's talk a little bit about um, Year of Hell and the Krenum. Um, I mean, this is like a decently popular episode, I would think. But it might elude some people. I feel like most people know what this episode is. You think so? I think they do. Okay. I mean, we just went through our own Year of Hell, didn't we? Did you see those memes? People are like, it was like the year of hell. We made those memes for 2020. Oh, uh, yeah. All right, fair enough. People we can like, move. computer, end program. <laughs> fair enough. You want to talk about some Malkorians then? We'll just move right past the Krenum. Okay. Okay. So this one, okay. I would hope people know... Like people listening know what the the Malkorians are, right? Like this is the episode first contact. So it's very meta right now. We're doing an episode on first contact, and we're talking about the episode first contact as we talk about first contact missions. It's kind of weird, um, but you know, like all of our missions, to a certain extent, like whether we're developing first contact protocols or we're enacting them. Part of like what the procedures for first contact have to deal with is essentially like reconnaissance, like checking them out, seeing if they're appropriate for us to approach. Like they have to, we have to check so many boxes before we can say, "Hey, what's up?" Type of thing. Part of that is, are they pre-warp or not? Uh, are they a pre-warp sort of civilization? Um, if they aren't, then okay, cool, we can move the the ball forward a little bit. However, I think this is, um, to my knowledge, Eric, this is the first time that we're actually seeing the script kind of being flipped on us, like as, as like humans, as the Federation, as Starfleet, where like things go sideways, but they treat us as the aliens and investigating us, even while we're undercover, thinking that they're the all-knowing center of the universe type of thing. And I think this is a really great episode. It's a good critique of Star Trek in the way that Star Trek has done First Contact. Any any thoughts on this particular episode with the Malkorians and kind of how this episode plays out? Yeah, I think that's an interesting point, how you said that um, that we are now the other, right? And I think it spends a lot of time focusing not on 
on us as we are investigating, but on those people as they are investigating. And I, I think that's a really interesting flip the script. Yeah, for sure. And it's just, and, it's like, know, it, it's, it's got, it's got BB Newworth, BB Newworth in it, who was Lilith Crane, Dr. Fraser Crane's wife. And she basically raped Riker in this episode. Like, yeah. I mean, some people might not think that, but she basically does. Mm-hmm. Yep. As- essentially, that's that's what happens in the episode. Yeah. Mm. It's kind of got like a um like a creepy like psych ward vibe, like nurse ratchet kind of vibe to it. If you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I got the feeling of like a like an old school spy movie though. That was like that's always like the feeling that I get when I watch this. Some okay. Cold War era spy flick. Okay. Okay, fair enough. Alright, we are down to our final three, everyone in listener land. Final three. So, um kicking us off for our last three. Um we have a serious one, a funny one, and an obvious one. So let's talk about, I guess, the serious one with um, the Mintakins and who watches the Watcher, Watchers, which is another uh, Next Generation episode. Which this is like proto Vulcans or, or something like that. Yeah. Proto Vulcans, and instead of being logical, they're reasonable. <laughs> right? Everything is reasonable, not logical. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just funny to say. <laughs> yeah. You know, but you know, this is this is what happens when the both of these episodes, both the Malcorans and then the Mintakins, this is what happens when first contact goes wrong, or or when we're preparing for first contact and and our plans go wrong like we're we're not at the first contact stage we're trying to decide if we should make first contact and this society is not pre-warp but we still want to study it so that way we can be ready when they are potentially ready mm-hmm. and and that plan goes very wrong and we have to try and fix it before we contaminate their culture right and in this case like with um with the Mintakins, it's it ends up kind of screwing with their their um, faith to an extent too. In this one, um, where Picard is like greatly revered, um, so again, yeah, we have to get in, we have to fix it some way somehow. And um, anyway, it's just kind of kind of interesting, like taking that approach. Uh, for the most part. Yeah, and, and I think this episode, there's a there's an interesting thing that happens. I'm going to see if I can find the quote. But um, I'm pretty sure it's from this episode. Let's see if I can find the quote. Um, I don't know. But... Okay. 
he basically talks about how like you know if you if you know gene roddenberry gene roddenberry did was not a religious person and he believed that by the time humanity had had reached star trek the future that that humanity would have moved past religion in a certain sense and and i think in this episode you see this critique of religion whether whether it's um how how you however you view that critique but picard says something like i won't send these people back to the dogmatic dark ages and like they're literally trying to create a religion like around the picard and picard calls religion a bunch of superstition and, and you know the dogmatic dark ages and i know that that somehow rubs a lot of people the wrong way but that was straight out of like gene roddenberry's own philosophy mm-hmm. i will i will say um not to i don't want to get into a, a pissing contest with anyone but i i would encourage uh, folks to check out an author friend of mine. Uh, his name is uh, Kevin Neese and um, he's local to the Fort Worth area. I met him at um, a Comic Con a couple years back and um, he wrote a book and it's actually called The Gospel According to Star Trek and um, it's, it's a very fascinating book and talks about Gene Roddenberry religion and the intersection of it um, and kind of how it kind of challenges some of the things that we've we've grown accustomed to hearing and knowing about Gene Roddenberry. So um, I, I'd, I'd encourage folks, if they want to go down that that rabbit trail, to, to check it out. It's called The Gospel According to Star Trek by Kevin Neese, N-E-E-C-E. Um, so... Um, the next, okay, so the next, this next one, I just wanted on here because I thought it was like lighthearted and fun, and I think you just need some lighthearted and fun, and that is the Zerillions in the episode Unexpected, and that's the one where we're kind of teased about a holodeck type of thing and needing assistance from an alien species, and oh by the way, Trip gets pregnant, and. <laughs> It's you weren't over a, there for that long. <laughs> it's just a fun episode. I, just, I really like that episode a lot. So, <laughs> yeah, like first contact gone wrong, right? <laughs> Definitely. How many of these gone like, wrong in a, in a different, in a different type of way? Exactly, and that, and that's the only reason I have it on there. Is I mean, we see. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It's just a fun first contact esque episode. I mean, like, especially in light of what we have experienced with Kirk and being the ladies' man and allegedly having no issues that we ever knew about. And boom, Trip Tucker gets preggers, like, being over there for just, like, a little bit. Now, I think it was, like, was it, like, a so many hours that you had to be in like a chamber before you could go into like the other part of the ship for yeah, like pressurizing or something like that. Like a, a barometric chamber or something so that the pressure was correct. Yeah. But that, but that was it though. Um, so, I mean, it yeah, was just, it's, just, it's fun. Yeah. It's just a fun episode. So this list, oh, definitely this list would not be complete uh, without talking about um, maybe the runners up 
before we get to the final one, which I think is pretty obvious. So um, Eric and I, like I said, Eric and I, we came up with um, our own lists and then we kind of combined them. And the ones that just didn't make the cut that are certainly worthy of talking about um, based on what, what we came up with, um, I'll go over mine real quick. I'm just going to read them off. I'm not going to talk about them. But the ones that I had on my list um, left over were the Suliban, Sicarians, Cardassians, the Baku slash uh, Sona, um, Elorians, and uh, Greek gods. It's from a, a sorted series, of course. And Eric. And, and, and the, the ones I had left over, I had the Scytherians from the Nth Degree, which is a Reg Barkley episode. Very fun. Um, the Vidians from the Phage, uh, big Voyager, Voyager um, bad guy, so to speak. The Herogen, another, you know, Voyager bad guy. And then the, the Vissians from Cogenitor in an Enterprise episode, which is another trip talk trip tucker centric episode nice good stuff all right well bring us bringing us home um on this first contact discussion is the movie star trek first contact where we have first contact with the vulcans which is just like landing the ship and shaking hands i mean if it weren't for that and then and go for good no, and then after we shake hands, we um, we go into the bar and we play some Roy Orbison on the jukebox, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah, if it, we don't have the rights to that, we don't have the rights to that. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Well, if it weren't for this, and it, for obvious reasons, we wouldn't have the future that we are all excited about like this albeit it's it's fiction at this point but regardless of what our future looks like in 2063 on this particular day um like this is the kind of future that i think we all look forward to having in some shape form or fashion um and it was this day that you know things kicked off for us right like we meet the vulcans which we are not friends with at the time of Enterprise, but that we are friends with by the time of original Star Trek with Spock and the trio, like Kirk, Spock, McCoy, those dudes. And um, just having a starting point, like a true starting point for our future history um, is, is just so cool. And uh, if you haven't seen Star Trek First Contact, what are you doing? Go watch it. I mean, wherever you can, go watch it. Um, it's a, it's a fun it's a fun movie, um, and I've seen it more times you than know, I, sh- I care to admit. I I, I read an article. Um, it was I think it was posted on Star Trek.com that said Star Trek First Contact the movie is a is like the perfect entry point into Star Trek. If you're trying to get somebody interested in Star Trek, they should watch this movie. And I say, uh uh uh-uh, uh uh-uh. like. I think you can enjoy it as just like a sci-fi action movie on its own, but I I feel like if you're gonna really enjoy it, you need to know um, the seven years of setup that we had with those characters, like why 
does Picard have his Ahab moment, right? Why does Picard stay behind to rescue Data? Like, why are all of these things important, right? And right. and it's it's the culmination of. I mean, it's not, it, I mean, there's two movies after it, and then now we have another series. But it really does feel like a culmination moment. Yeah, I agree. I do agree with that. So I disagree with that article that said it's it's a good entry point. Well, regardless of what your entry point is, that is your first contact with Star Trek, uh, whatever it ends up being. So um, if it's Lower Decks or it's going to be one of the new shows like Prodigy uh, or it's been something, you know, older than that, you know, maybe Enterprise was your first one or Voyager or heck, maybe it was Star Trek, the animated series. I'm probably rattling off stuff that some of y'all have never even heard of before. That's okay. Uh, whatever it is, we want you to um, enjoy whatever it is you enjoy, you enjoy. We're not here to yuck your yum. So um, enjoy it with a passion. And uh, there's plenty of room um, here for you in the Star Trek fandom. Infinite diversity and infant combinations is not just a Vulcan thing. It's a Star Trek thing. And uh, maybe more fans need to appreciate that, too. It's okay to not like it, but not to the point of um, demeaning other fans for liking it. So, uh, happy First Contact Day, First Contact Week, Month, whatever you want to call it. Um, I know this was kind of like, this was, we talked about a lot of episodes <laughs> tonight, today, oh yeah. Oh yeah. tomorrow. Like- <laughs> only, only 25. I mean, I feel like there was so much stuff we could we left on the table here. I mean, we I mean, there's there's a lot more to talk about. Um, there's a lot that we did talk about, and uh, some good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, for sure. Well, Eric, as always, it's a pleasure being able to talk Trek with you, and to uh, you know, hang out here at the station and chit chat about stuffy stuff and we are going to have some more it's good, con- to, it's good to be back good to be back absolutely we need to um get back together real soon maybe we can get back together here in a couple of days and do some more uh stuff for these folks that are gluttons for punishment and want to listen to these long episodes um who knows i might Yay. cut i might cut this in half i have no idea uh, i guess you'll find out whenever y'all listen to it if it's been cut in half <laughs> Um, anyway, we'll, uh, we'll have to do some, some like fun stuff, fun, fun ish stuff. Like maybe we'll do like a galaxy quest kind of thing. Like I've been teasing or, or something else. Maybe we'll talk about, I don't know, something random, like a warp coil for an entire episode. That'd be fun, right? Talking about warp coils. No, you don't want to talk about a warp coil. You're giving me me a look. All right. We won't talk about warp coils. For an entire episode? You want to find out? I mean, not really. <laughs> okay, we won't talk about warp coils. I mean, it's like how the Heisenberg commissaries work. Just fine. Thanks for asking. <laughs> Gosh. All right, y'all. Well, we are we're gonna wind down for uh, for this episode. So thank you so much for listening, Eric. Again, thank you for helping me go through these 25 first contact 
thingies, these 25 first contact um, moments that we've identified together. Um, if you enjoyed what you heard, um, let us know. Uh, you know, check us out on uh, trtvpod.com where you can um, leave a comment, uh, send us a note that way. Uh, we're on all the socials, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at trtvpod. Uh, we have some merch. If you want to support the show, uh, you can buy some sweet t-shirts. There's going to be an updated link going on the webpage here very soon, so it'll be a little easier for you to get there. Um, you can also support the show by telling your friends. Please tell your friends to um, give us a like, to give us a listen, um, and share it. That's the best way to support the show. Um, there's also opportunities with Patreon that you can uh, support the show that way as well. Uh, if you do want to get in contact with us apart from the website, trtvpod at gmail.com. Um, you can also send us a voice-only transmission to 817-752-4757. Again, 817-752-4757. Remember, there's a three-minute time limit, and your comments may be used on a future episode. And uh, finally, if you do want to send us a note, like, I don't know, if you want, like, a ship to, like, land, like, right on our P.O. box, make sure the Vulcans get it so we can have, you know, first contact a little sooner. Make sure it's sent to P.O. Box 2455, Azle, Texas, 76098. We don't have insurance for the post office building, but it'll be all right. Um, other than that, thank you all so much for sticking with us. Thank you for coming back and being patient with us. And as we leave here today, may we always remember to boldly go and make it so. Thank you.